Welcome back to Watch Time. We are back. And today we're going to be talking about demand generation and dark social with Patrick and Vanessa Zangardi from Zangardi Studios right after this. here with Patrick and Vanessa. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. Thanks, Thanks so, much so much for having us. A little different this time. Last time it was just me and it was on Zoom, so <laughs> this is nice being in person. Yes, it's, it's good to be back in person, definitely. Yeah. This, this is this is more fun for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been great chatting with you guys too. And like, I don't know, I feel like Zoom has been advanced so much through COVID, which is great, but I also feel like there's nothing about like being in person. I just feel like that's great to be able to connect with you guys. Fully yeah. agree. So yeah. um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Zancardi Studio so anyone that's listening, if they don't know what you guys do or if they want to learn a little bit more, you guys can kind of fill them in. Sure. Yeah. So um, Zancardi Studio is a digital marketing firm. We specialize in helping brands tell their story. We do that through web design, digital marketing, social media, and visual storytelling. We do a lot of graphic design and illustration as well as photography work. Great. Cool. How did, how did you guys, uh, I'm, I'm just curious, like, how did you come to um, found the company? And, and tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I'll defer to you on that one because sure. yours is a little bit more uh, aligned with the whole marketing realm. Yeah. So um, the, the long and short of it is after, you know, about 10 years in the uh, marketing space, working for different agencies and things like that, um, I basically just said, okay, I can do this as well. You know, I can I can do this for myself, and uh, with Vanessa's encouragement, I did just that. I you know put in my two weeks notice from the agency I was working at, uh, just full on jumped off the airplane with absolutely no parachute and just said, okay, we're going to make this happen. And uh, that was in 2018. So um, it's we, been yeah, kind of a crazy ride since then. And I know that you introduced us as Patrick and Vanessa, but for everybody you know listening and watching, we are married. So that's why he says Vanessa had me make this leap of faith. It's because we are yeah, business true. partners and also and married. Life, life partners. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, too. So just wanted to clarify that. I didn't actually, you know. So anyways. Exactly. Yeah. So um, with Vanessa's encouragement, I, I jumped and, and started finding uh, finding clients. And um, it was a, a really exhilarating time. We started in uh, early 2018. And by I think June or July of 2018, um, Vanessa actually was able to leave her full-time job and yeah. join me full-time. And uh, we've been building it now uh, together over the last four years. Yeah. Five years almost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really weird when you say it like that because I feel like it's been a lot of time, but also not a lot of time, right? Like we joke about this all the time. We're like, it feels like we just started the business and then also we've been doing it for yeah. 20 years too. Um, you know, with COVID and the ups and downs of that, that obviously was a really wild ride there. So it's crazy to think that's been almost five years that we've been doing this together. Yeah. And like Patrick mentioned, he's got a background in the marketing agency realm when I don't, I do more customer service, but it's a natural segue into the type of work because, you know, we work hand in hand with companies who either have maybe a small marketing team and don't have the leverage that they need, or they don't have a marketing team at all. And so that's kind of where we come in and we work really well um, to kind of stand up the story that the brands have and help them find the right way for like, we're dubbing it information design. So how they create the collateral and the communication and all that kind of stuff, plus all the tech that they need to really to be present in the digital age anymore. So exactly. So we, as Vanessa mentioned, you know, our our, our clientele uh, will stretch from a company with absolutely no marketing ability in house, and they, you know, work with clients, or excuse me, with companies like ours to be their 
marketing team, their outsourced or external team. Um, or we also do a lot of staff augmentation for teams that just maybe don't have digital capabilities, but have really strong messaging, positioning, and storytelling, but they don't have the capabilities maybe to do a website or to stand up a CRM or to do things that we're specialists in. So it, it really allows for us to, to kind of work um, with a wide range of clients. You know, and one thing I did want to mention, just because, you know, as you guys have been talking and like, as we've known you guys, like I... And I just kind of shout out to you guys and everyone that's listening so they know, like, we recommend you guys to so many people because, like, and, like, honestly, like, it, the thing well, that, thank you. well, the thing that, like, we we just immediately, like, after the last time we had sat down with you guys to discuss the project Kathy and I had talked about after was, I love the fact that you guys, your goal is to help the businesses grow so they yes. eventually can take these things on themselves because they're going to be able to hire that marketing yes. person that can do that. And I feel like in, you know, there's so many companies out there that are like, they don't want to do that. They just want to keep yeah. them on as a retainer and like, well, I don't want to give them too much because I want to make sure I still have business. And the yeah. fact that you guys are doing that, that's the way, in my opinion, like that's what we try to do with our clients. We want them to grow so they yeah. can do their own video content or they can, you know, do bigger things. So I think it's great that you guys are doing that yeah. and might, like hats off to you guys. Yeah. On that. That's awesome. I mean, Thank we you. give, we give plans and we work with people to even hire in the right kind of people into their organizations because we know that the people that are going to benefit from this most, most obviously is the business, but the way that they're going to do that is having someone in house living and breathing the product or the service or the business every single day. Right. And as a third party, we don't always get that availability and that luxury, especially if we have clients like all over the world or all over the country. So we, go out seeking ways to stand businesses up and give them the tools that they need because it makes the most sense for them to eventually pull that in-house. And that's fine. I mean, that's kind of our end goal is to exit out of businesses by giving them what they need to get to where they need to go and then kind of watching them flourish and go after that too. So we've always done that from the start. I mean, that's why if you follow us on like TikTok and Instagram and things like that, I mean, we give everything away because you know, marketing is confusing. Marketing is oversaturated. There's so many things that you sh think that you should know. Right. And a lot of it you should have an understanding of, but having someone like us talk to you, you know, it's just the two of us, right? Telling you what could be important, what could not be important, kind of getting you to think with your marketing hat and flex your marketing muscles. And we just give it away because like people just need to know. People just need to know what they need to do for their businesses. So... Well, I, I love that. Yeah, we, we're like, like Bill said, you know, we're big fans of your approach. And one thing that I really like that you both do too, um, that you kind of you know hinted on is marketing is always changing and, and evolving. Um, and I love how you really take an educational approach, even on LinkedIn. You know, yeah. if, if, if people aren't following you on LinkedIn, they should, <laughs> because you're always sharing, you know, new, new um, thoughts and, and um, kind of how you're experimenting with different uh, trends and approaches to, to marketing. So um, I know one, one part of that, as I understand is, you know, marketing has been very focused on you know, lead generation and ROI. Um, but some things are changing a little bit more towards um, demand generation now. So can you talk about, you know, how, how, you know, things are kind of moving in that direction and maybe why companies are looking to go that way? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, before I, I dive a little bit into demand generation and then, um, I'll of course let Vanessa jump in as well. I want to touch on uh, a word that you mentioned, which was trends and tactics. Um, we believe that really smart strategy is what drives a business forward when it comes to sales, when it comes to marketing, and when it comes to brand building. And tactics are what help your strategy to succeed. So a strategy, 
should be your kind of everlasting, you know, um, approach to marketing, communications, and so on. And the tactics help you to reach that goal. So we, we employ a, a lot of different tactics depending on the clientele that we're working with and then their clients and, and, and the networks or the platforms that we are advertising and marketing on. Um, and uh, so, so we really first want to work with our clients on identifying what is the company's strategy, vision, goal. Yeah. And uh, how do we then take that and pin a marketing strategy on it? And then based on that marketing strategy, we employ tactics that might work. So, And tactics that make sense for the business too. So marketing strategies, when you come into businesses, some of them can handle a very big, robust one. Some of them can't, right? So we try to find that spot in there that gives them enough to do without seeming overwhelmed. And then also part of that ties into like where they are socially, like what the website should do and all that kind of stuff. So not only are we coming up with marketing strategies, but also manageable marketing strategies, because oftentimes businesses can get very overwhelmed trying to think about this huge, robust marketing strategy, and they might be five people. Well, you could give that to, you know, Coca-Cola, this, you know, billion dollar company, and they could do whatever they want because they have money to throw away. But if you're talking about a five person business, they're not going to be able to handle that. So. Right. That's a really, really strong point. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to note too, because as we kind of talk through today and things like that, like there are trends that tie into tactics, but you also need to be keeping top of mind what's actually going to work for you that's going to be manageable. Totally. Yeah. So, so, so something that is very, you know, there's a reason for everything you're doing to support the overall goal in a very manageable way for the company. Yeah. Yeah. Cause can you imagine if we were like, yeah, everybody needs to go out and you need to get blimps and billboards and whatever, <laughs> right? Like, you know, could that, that could be the trend right now, but that's just not going to work for everybody. And right. their audience may not even care about that too, which kind of ties into like where you should be on social and things like that, which is like a whole nother podcast we could do. <laughs> I like, I'll put a pin in that one. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys find when you go into these companies, like, is that kind of like, once they hire you, they are very overwhelmed because they are trying to try so many different yes. tactics that they're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of it too is they have had issues where they perhaps stub their toe. And so they found a software solution for that, but it's just a bunch of strung together with like on fire string <laughs> to all these things. And then the person who's in charge of it, one, two people are at a small department. There's so many logins, there's so many things and they don't necessarily talk to one another. So there's just all these extra steps and we go in and oftentimes we're like, yeah, like let's sit down, let's audit. What do you have in your tech stack and that you're using? What can be paired away and what are maybe places that, you know, a software could do more for you and you're not going to three other softwares to accomplish this one type of thing. And I'll give you credit. That's where Patrick comes in. I mean, he's like the tech guy. I always joke around, but that's where his strong suit is, is kind of going into that too. But I got us off on a little tangent there of, we were talking about marketing strategy and tactics and then how they tie into trends. So sorry. <laughs> that, that's okay. Yeah, you found a way to bring it back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Bill, one of the things that um, we we do often see is uh, because of trends, people will jump from trend to trend, tactic to tactic. And it's a lot like fishing in a small pond with, you know, you throw out the, the, uh, the line and you don't catch a fish in five minutes. You pull it and you do it again. And then again, and then again, mm -hmm. And then again, what happens at the end of the day? You don't catch any fish. You're well, tired. 
Yeah. Well, why? Why didn't you catch any fish? Because you didn't you didn't tend to the line in the water. Yeah. You didn't maybe have the right lure. You didn't maybe have it in the right spots. Mm -hmm. You weren't you know attracting uh, the right type of fish or whatever the, the analogy was, is. Right? Yeah. Well, someone was fishing before you and they took all the fish, right? And that is in the case of content in spaces too, like. You know, people could have been in there fishing before right. you got there. And so it was just the wrong time of the time period to do. You should have gone to a different pond. So, so we, yeah. we often see that fatigue, you know, like, oh, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, and none of it's worked. And then we say, all right, let's take a step back and let's find why. We realize, like, we ran one ad in one print magazine one time, mm -hmm. right? We did a weekend uh, Facebook ad, right? We, we did 18 posts on LinkedIn, we emailed our list one time. Right. And we're like, oh, like a Friday this, afternoon. This, yeah. this is why yeah. it's not working. These Everybody's tactics out. are all great in and of themselves. Sure. Every one of them can work. Right. But if you do them haphazardly and you don't tend to the line in the water, yeah. none of them will work. And if it does, it's just a flash in the pan because strategic marketing requires strategic planning mm -hmm. and it requires patience. It requires effort. And you have to tend to that garden, to that line in the water, yeah. right? Yeah. And and that's one of the things that we do coach a lot of our clients on and that we talk about all the time on yeah. our LinkedIn, on our social platforms is like, listen, you can't jump around. Right. You you have to you have to tend to what you're doing. Yeah. And the pivot too, so I know that the original question, you know, listeners are like, where do we get here? <laughs> How did we get to this point in time? Was the difference of lead gen, the way that kind of businesses used to operate, and not to say that you can't do lead gen anymore, but this kind of conversation around demand gen. And oftentimes you'll see with us, like we are consuming content from people that we find value in, influencers in our industry that we like, and they've been talking about this for a while. So it's not one of those things that we're like, you know, here we are preaching, don't jump on trends. This really isn't a, a trend, a short-term trend. This is kind of the way things are going. Yeah. And I think it's important because COVID really kind of pushed it towards, towards this demand generation. So lead generation as it stands is a little bit more about already knowing your customer. Um, I know we talked before about like marketing funnels and getting people in and giving their email right and then learning what you can about them and trying to find other people to get leads from right. And not to say that demand gen can't get you leads too, but it's just a little different of a way to think about how you're actually generating interest in your brand or your product or your service. Okay, I'll turn it over to you to, to dive a little bit more into that. Yeah, so um, demand generation is maybe a relatively new term, but it's not a new concept. Um, I'll define lead generation and then I'll define demand generation so that we have a clear delineation of what those mean. Um, so I like to define lead generation as marketing and advertising um, avenues or, or, you know, kind of tactics that are meant to drive a lead, meaning collecting an email address, a name, a phone number, something that marketing can say, okay, sales, Bill's interested in this, Kathy's interested in that, call them. You put them in your funnel, whatever the case may be, because that lead has been earned, goes in your CRM, you follow it up. Lead generation also really has um, a lot of, of attribution behind it. So I did a Google ad. You know, this person clicked on the ad, went to that landing page, filled out that form, opened that email as an autoresponse. I can see that attribution clearly. Demand generation is a little bit differently. It's about freely giving away content, information, and really just educating your client base, whether it's through social media, maybe it's through podcasts, could be through a YouTube channel, 
without demanding a, uh, a form or some type of information to be uh, given away in order to receive that information. So um, a classic example of lead generation is like the webinar. Sign up for our webinar and then you know everyone knows what's going to happen. You're going to sign up and you're going to get a thousand emails before the <laughs> webinar. You're going to watch it or maybe not watch the webinar. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to thousand emails afterwards. Mm -hmm. And and that's fine. It works, especially in B2B. Mm -hmm. um, you can even get a little bit more kind of uh, sophisticated with it. And you can say, you know, Kathy signed up for this webinar but didn't attend. So afterwards, let's send her a little bit of information about what she missed and maybe give her a chance to watch the replay. Whereas Bill registered and watched it to completion. Let's send him information. He must be more qualified. And you can get a little bit more sophisticated with that. That's a great example of classic lead generation. Demand generation could be just, yo, we're going live on LinkedIn. We're going to talk for, you know, 45 minutes with this industry expert. And there's just no requirement. Just show up, yeah. Yeah, there's just, no requirement to yeah. like give us your email address. There's no demand follow-up or email funnels or anything like that. But the value, the content is still there. And what that does is it puts in the in in the recipient's mind like these people are experts at what they do and yeah. they're willing to share, educate, and teach. And so that person has a positive reaction in their mind. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I like this person. Yeah. Next time you see them on LinkedIn, you're going to follow or like or share, whatever the case may be. And it, I'm saying LinkedIn, but it could be Instagram Live. It could be TikTok Live. It could be, you know, whatever, right? It could be a YouTube channel. Um, it, it just helps to create demand around the service or the product that you provide. So an example of demand generation, um, we're, we're doing some renovations on our house. And I'm looking up things like, best way to repair plaster walls. And I see, you know, I'm, I'm making this example up, uh, uh, you know, Joe's YouTube channel, Joe's plaster wall guy. Maybe there is one shout out, Joe. Um, he's just doing free, you know, repairing videos, yeah. repairing videos. And you know what? I like his stuff. I see it more. The algorithm behind YouTube realizes like, oh, this guy likes this plaster wall video. Right. And, uh, and I'm learning from him and I'm saying, you know, this, this company, this guy is an expert. So when I need to go and actually have a professional come out, a professional contractor come out to do some work, I'm going to Joe. I'm saying, yeah. Joe, do you do this project? Can you come to my house and do this? And that can be applied to Flex. That can be applied to Zangardi Studio, right? It can be applied to, um, you know, Joe's CPA firm, right? Lots of Joe's give, out there. Yeah, lots of Joe's. <laughs> Um, so if, if they're giving valuable content, they're educating, mm -hmm. that's creating demand for my service. Yeah. Yeah. And so that when that person goes from just casually looking to like really qualified and ready to buy, you're the first person they think of. Yeah. And yeah. that's the value behind demand generation is you're educating, you're informing, you're, you're in some way persuading without actually saying, fill out this form to get this information. Give me something back. Yeah. I it's mean, less quid pro quo. Yeah. I think COVID has really helped that too, because so many people obviously spend a lot of time at home. And so what happened is consumers are so educated now. They were before, right? Because of the availability of information in the internet, but now they had the time. And even as we transition back again, there's still people who like are going to spend the time to look for information. So I've said this, if you follow me on LinkedIn for like, I don't know, past two years, 
you have to be giving it away because somebody else is, your competition is doing that. And if you're not educating your customers with the things that you know, and it doesn't have to be every business trade secret, right, that you do for your customers, but if at a high level you can give away value without any, you know, strings attached to it, if you're not doing it, your your competition is. And so why not try to one-up them, talk about why you're different, give away value, and then encourage people to come transact with you because they already like, know, and trust you. And as we talk about all the time, people do business with people they like, know, and trust. And that's where influencers come in. And that's where that whole sector of marketing now comes in is people doing business with people they like, know, and trust. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. I, I understand. Actually, that phrase came to my head even before you mentioned it because it really is, it's creating awareness of mm-hmm. your brand and then also building that trust and loyalty so that when that person is ready to, you know, maybe um, maybe buy or take advantage of your service, um, then, then they will. Yeah. You'll be the one that they go to. I feel like um, one thing that we were talking about previously to this podcast um, was that this content that you're putting on social, you really want it to only be used um, in, in one area. You don't want to be repeating it on your on your website or anything. So can you talk about the reason for that and why that is important? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So dark social, I think, is an interesting concept, and it's another name that's kind of come around. And it's, it's always kind of existed, but we coach – um, businesses and people on kind of both ends of it, right? So dark social, and I'll kind of let you segue into that, but I'll talk about why it's still important to, especially when you're small or you don't have a big team, it is okay to reuse marketing ideas and things like that too, but there is a certain way to do that. So say, you know, you're coming up with a marketing plan and you have all this content and things like that too. The general topic can be the same throughout your post and it should be for anything you're putting out for, let's say about a month, because it's going to take a lot of touch points to get to people. However, and that's where I'll turn it to you for dark social, you should now be focusing on the way that you give that information based on the way that they're interacting with that. And that's where kind of dark social comes into play. Yeah. So uh, to Vanessa's point, we we coach our clients that content should not be copied and pasted from LinkedIn to Instagram to TikTok to Twitter to you get the idea, right? It's important to create native content for these different platforms because everybody on these platforms has a different expectation. I'm not going to go and do a silly dance video on TikTok and then just rip it and put it to LinkedIn. It's not going to work. That'd be an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes mean, it might. Maybe one shot, day yeah. we'll try. Yeah, yeah, one day we'll try. But um, <laughs> you have a different, I guess, perspective based on the platform in which your content is going to be shared on. So that's one thing that that's related. It's, you know, create the same message strategy, but think about the audience on the platform that you are sharing that on and tweak it, tweak the content um, or the creative, the, you know, the visual or the graphic or the video that goes with that forage platform. Now the, the term dark social, um, Really, it just kind of means it's less attributed. Like Mm -hmm. software is less able to say the first touch point was this. So an ad, Google ad, we'll use as the example here. Uh, Again, you know your Salesforce CRM or whatever can say this new contact first um, reached us because of this ad, and then they clicked the ad and they went to that page. They didn't do anything but a cookie or a pixel or whatever was placed. They came back a week later and they did this, this, and that. Then they left. And then they registered for an email on the next visit. They opened the email, they clicked the button, blah, blah, blah. We can see that path 
pretty clearly. It's pretty much A to B to C to Z, right? In social, in platform-specific content, it's a little bit less direct. It could be, um, you know, the, the VP of a company heard something on a podcast or saw a LinkedIn post or something like that. Maybe they didn't engage with that LinkedIn post at all. They just, it caught their attention, but they didn't like it. Or share They or didn't anything. share it. Mm-hmm. They didn't comment on it. They didn't follow you. They just saw it and made an impression. And then maybe later they were listening to their favorite podcast and they said, oh, that person, I saw their post before. I'm going to listen to this. Or could have flipped the opposite way. It doesn't matter. The, the point being that those first touch points were extremely valuable but Salesforce is not going to say the first touch point was a random LinkedIn post that you didn't engage right. on because there's no way for them to know that. Right. All it's going to see is this long loop is going to be, you know, in if we were actually able to see it, it might be like, heard them on a podcast, saw a LinkedIn post, you know, uh, somebody mentioned it in the elevator, you know, somebody uh, screenshotted a, a uh, Instagram ad and texted it to me. And then, you know, all of a sudden the person goes to the web page, fills out a form and then closes the deal, all your CRM is going to say is, came from Google. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, well, that's not true. Right. Everything yeah. prior to that came from Google was dark. And that's what dark social means. Yeah. Is like that dark area. That you really can't get any kind of metrics from. And marketing has been so focused lately on vanity metrics for some, you know, for some industries and in, in metrics and things like that too of like impressions and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, those are great in certain situations. But again, dark social, creating that content, adding that value to people without any regard has so many touch points. And like we're prime examples of that. People like reach out to us and they're like, oh, I love what you're talking about on, you know, your LinkedIn page. And I'm and like, I'm like, dude, you never even liked it. Share it with somebody. <laughs> yeah, like it. Yeah. Comment. Like, come on. Like, it, yeah. But you're consuming it and whether or not you intent, like intentionally did not like or share that or whatever is, you know, we'll never know know that too. Um, but it is this really interesting concept of just kind of creating that value. And obviously people are like watching us because they know you guys. So they're probably going to be like video. How do we use that for dark, dark social? And how do we maybe get more marketing miles per gallon? Well, I mean, video is still king. So when you think of TikTok and you think of YouTube and YouTube shorts and things like that, and now TikTok is going to be indexed by Google. And so when you're searching things, TikTok's going to be coming up, which yeah. is totally wild to me. Like very, very new this week. So that's interesting. That is interesting. But you can take this overarching content topic and create individual videos based on the specific platforms for that. Now, I have found I do a lot of social media for our clients. Um, By no means am I like a guru guru, but I do it every day for our clients. And so what I see is if you do video on native platforms, so on TikToks as a reel and things like that, and you're sharing that video and it's not the exact same, but all the same content topic, it will go crazy. Like I've been playing around with like a trend that was on TikTok that's now on Instagram. And they're just seven seconds, a video of me in the background, text overlay over it. I mean, I'm getting 4,000, like 5,000 views on these videos that took me me like five seconds to create, right? And like no real thought was put into it, but because I'm doing the video on that platform the way it wants that, it's going to reward me for taking advantage of that trend. So if I can offer one little tidbit is look to TikTok for some of these trends. And then about a month after that, if you're using TikTok and Reels, go back and use that same kind of trend on Instagram. And then you'll be able just to spread your message without a lot of care. But 
video, no matter what, video on LinkedIn is so right. important. I mean, video on YouTube, that's like the second most searched um, search engine, essentially. Yeah, it's right. Google and then YouTube. Going, right. A lot of people go to YouTube to search instead of Google. Yes. Yeah. And analysts are now actually showing that a lot of Gen Z and younger millennial uh, consumers are going to TikTok and Instagram to search. They're not going to Google yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. So this, as Vanessa mentioned, Google's now starting to show um, videos, shorts in their, their SERPs, their search engine results uh, mm-hmm. pages. They're putting YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, and TikToks right there as an effort to say, don't use those platforms to find content. Use us. We're, we're Google, yeah. but we will direct you to proper content on those other platforms if it's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, the overall takeaway from that is like, Absolutely video. We've been talking about video with our clients for a couple years now because we keep seeing, you know, I guess you'll say a trend going that way. People want to be like talked to, right? And you can still do the long format posts. Those are particularly popular on LinkedIn. But I mean, if you can create one big video, put that on YouTube and then kind of break it up and then supplement like, let's say TikTok and Instagram with other content that you make native in that platform. I mean, that's a huge way to take advantage of video, creating one kind of piece of content and then just spiraling it out to other things. Totally. So one thing I I wanted to mention to you guys, because I think you might find this interesting, just thinking about dark social and how this plays in the video world. So like, um, we've been posting some content on LinkedIn. And like, what I found interesting was when you were saying like, you know, people aren't like they're not liking it or they're not commenting on it. And the videos that we've posted are like, they're not heavily liked. They have some comments, but what's crazy is the amount of views that I, I, I'm trying to think there's at least, um, easily like in the first day, there's a couple hundred views. I've had over a thousand or so views on these short little videos, but like, which has happened in the past, you know, pre pandemic, we would put video content out that would happen. But what's interesting to me is like, when I look at the analytics, the retention on it is crazy. It's like an 80 to 90% retention rate, Wow! but nobody's commenting and nobody's liking it or sharing it, it, which is like blows my mind. Like I'm used to seeing obviously like the five second, you know, people are just scrolling through, but like, so people are actually watching it, mm-hmm. which is just unbelievable. But to taking me. no action on it, but yeah. you have no idea what that impact is. And that directly ties into that dark social because people were engaged with it enough. And for whatever reason, didn't do anything after that. But I mean, obviously you left an impression. So when they're thinking of, you know, video content, who can I work with? Who knows what you'll find in So I was reading something, I think it was yesterday, that the way to qualify that um, would be to then ask somebody, like maybe in a contact form, like, how did you find me or how did you hear about me? Because that's the way that we can begin as marketers to kind of track what dark social is doing. However, I don't want to get to the point in time, hopefully, where then they're all of a sudden assigning metrics to these types of things. Because that's a really hard... It's a slippery slope. Yeah, because marketing, you know oftentimes is thought of as reactive instead of proactive. So we may not see the the repercussions or the, you know, positive attribution till seven, eight, nine, ten a year from then, depending on the life cycle of the sale for clients. So I hope that it doesn't get tied to too many metrics, but it is really fascinating to see that kind of stuff. And then who knows when someone will say, I liked your video and you're like, but you didn't do anything. You didn't share it or comment or like it or anything at all. I had no idea. Yeah. The most, uh, I guess the the largest group of users on social platforms, I call them the ghosts and lurkers. Yeah. And they just are on the content, but they don't do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, a bunch of- I'm guilty of of that myself. Yeah, Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Everybody's guilty of it, you know, but like there's there's a lot of people who will only lurk. Mm -hmm. They'll only consume and that's okay. And then you've got, you know, a smaller subset. I don't know. We can maybe say 80% of people just- 
consume content. Oh yeah, fake statistics. I love it. Yeah, just eighty percent of people. Just making it up. Yeah, of Joes, eighty percent of Joes. Yeah, and then and then you know a lot of people will also uh, engage with content. They'll like it. They'll share it. They'll comment on it. And the very very um, I guess smallest subset of social media users, they're the creators, mm -hmm. the ones that are creating the content, putting themselves out there, um, you know, making the podcast, doing the lives, all that kind of stuff. That's a small fraction of overall users. Yeah. And so one huge takeaway I would say is be one of those creators. Yeah. Put yourself out there because there's a lot of people who are seeing it and not a lot of people that are creating it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing to like, I think it was interesting when you talk about the people that are like actually just watching and they're not interacting. I don't know how many different YouTubers you guys are subscribed to or follow, but I know like a lot of the ones I follow are in the video production space. And I always find it interesting because at least probably half the people I'm following, they'll start their videos off with, you know, can you please like and subscribe? Because, and they'll even say, I know that over three quarters of my viewership is not coming from subscribers. And like, but then they'll have like 200, 300,000 subscribers. And you're like, oh my gosh. So it's like, you know, to me, I think it's crazy how many people are probably just pulling up their feed and it's just getting suggested to them and they're just watching. They're not liking. They're not. I mean, at least for me, I like to subscribe because I want to be notified when the new video comes out. But I just think that's crazy to think that. I mean, I even think about, I guess, older generations like um, my parents are baby boomers and like they don't subscribe to YouTube channels, but they're on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I guess. But it's important that you say that, though, because what you can find, especially like as millennials, as a subset of consumers, there is less brand loyalty. But then you get to like Gen Z and there's like no brand loyalty there. So they have no skin in the game. They do not care to subscribe. They will jump from thing to thing because that's just, you know, the time that they grew up in. And so there's no brand loyalty instilled in that. So that could happen, right? Where someone is looking for something on YouTube, they see what they want, they're looking for a topic, but they're like, well, I don't care to subscribe to this. So again, dark social, there's so many people consuming that content that maybe will do something later on, maybe do nothing. But being that person that's providing that content will still get you those types of leads and those opportunities that you're looking for. Like, 10 out of 10 times. I mean, again, I go back to Patrick and I, you know, for a while we were like not super consistent on LinkedIn, but every time we were, people were like, Hey, I kind of like forgot you guys existed. Right. Cause why would we be stuck in someone's head unless we're constantly in their face in their LinkedIn feed? And they were like, Oh, Hey, by the way. And so now the more consistent we are not only adding value to people just because they need to know this stuff, but just being present, people are like, Hey, Oh, by the way, Hey, yeah. Oh, by the way. So like it works. Consistency on the creators part uh -huh. is rewarded by the positive, um, I guess, attention mm -hmm. that they may be getting from their audience, their their consumers, but also the algorithm. Yes. In air quotes, the algorithm, right? <laughs> the LinkedIn algorithm. When you're posting more content, they're seeing you're you're active. Yeah. We're going to mm -hmm. reward that by showing it to more of your audience, and then in, in a lot of cases. Um, those that are interacting with your content, it'll show on their feeds as well. So people you don't example, even know, yeah. like their own networks of people that you may not even know personally are seeing that they're interacting with your content. So LinkedIn is like crazy with their algorithm. Yeah. So like, for example, Bill, you might, you know, comment on a post that Vanessa made mm -hmm. and, um, on your feed, like your, your contacts feed. So let's say a third tier connection, mm -hmm. um, that we have no connection with at, at, at Zangardi Studio, would say, Bill mm -hmm. commented on Vanessa's post, and it'll show Vanessa's post and Bill's comment. And all of a sudden, 
you know, another Joe, Joe Schmo over here. <laughs> All uh, the Joes. So Joes, Joes are getting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they, they're going to see Vanessa's content. And yeah. then now Joe has been introduced to Vanessa's content. Yeah. So you're rewarded by that consistency and by that interactivity. And it's the same on things like TikTok and Instagram. Now you, you can talk about that with Facebook. Facebook as it gets bigger and takes you know more money from advertisers and businesses, it's a pretty saturated market. So Facebook is a little bit harder for me because it's more of a validation piece, right? So there's certain subset, especially if it's your demographic that you're looking for that's on there, right? We're talking about older, we're talking about boomers and things like that. If they're there, that is definitely a valid place for you to interact with your audience or say you've built up like a really great Facebook page or whatever. But other than that, though, that's more for validation. But if you really want to get into algorithms and connecting with people and really talking to people and giving them content where they want to to look for that stuff, that's TikTok, that's LinkedIn professionally, that's Reels, that's YouTube, that's, yeah. you know, if you're getting into Web3 and the metaverse, Snapchat, which is something that I'll have to look into and we'll have to come back and talk about Snapchat because, like, that's a crazy world there that I'm not really into, but. Oh, yeah. Well, we could we could talk to you both all day, <laughs> and so we're just going to have to have you back. Okay, deal, deal. But um, thank you so much for all this valuable information. I've learned a lot. I know our viewers have uh, sure learned a lot after yeah. this conversation as well. Um, if people are interested in learning more, uh, how could they contact you, or where could they go to find out? Yeah, easiest way to uh, contact us directly is our website. It's zangardi.com. And uh, I would really invite everybody to share, um, you know, something valuable that they might have learned here on their LinkedIn platforms. Yeah. And why don't you tag us, Zangardi Studio or Vanessa Zangardi, yeah. Patrick Zangardi, yeah. or Bill or Kathy. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's see, you know, how what we can engage learned. with yeah. the audience. Yeah. And answer any questions because I feel like, you know, like you guys said, we could have talked for probably two more hours at this point in time. So if anybody has any specific questions about what we talked about or whatever, Patrick and I would love to answer them for people. So if they comment on this and kind of ask what they need to ask, then hopefully we get them the answers they need. So totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll keep the conversation going. Absolutely. And I definitely encourage anybody listening to follow you guys because I obviously do and everything you do put out is valuable. So well, thank you. definitely worth the follow. We're so, trying. Well, thank you again, Patrick and Vanessa. Thank Today you. Today was a great episode. We appreciate you guys talking to us about demand generation, talking to us about dark social. There's so much to think about with this. I know I took away a lot of things from this episode and I hope all of you did as well. So until next time, we'll catch you on our next episode of Watch Time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Watch Time. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And remember to like and subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want your question answered on our podcast, go to flexmediacle.com backslash watch time.